0: Are you a virtual assistant juggling all the things, you know, inquiries, contracts, payments? It can feel a little overwhelming at times trying to keep up with everything, right? Well, meet your new business BFF, insert HoneyBook. Think of HoneyBook as the upgrade your VA business didn't even know that it needed, taking you from beginner to polished and professional in no time. I've been using HoneyBook since day one of my business, and let me tell you, it's been a lifesaver for this busy mom. It's user-friendly, lets you automate workflows, and my favorite part is that it's completely customizable, so it'll look like it's native to your brand. I know what you're thinking. Do I really need a customer management platform? Well, spoiler alert, yes, you do. It's the secret ingredient that's given my VA business a 98% success rate of turning curious inquiries into solid bookings. Now, here's the deal. You can score an amazing 50% off right now if you use the link in the show notes. That's right. You heard that correctly. 50% off your entire subscription for any plan. And trust me when I say your business deserves the HoneyBook Upgrade.
1: Like I literally had to start a company and also manage to get an MBA to be able to figure this out. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be that hard, but it is because it's just not taught in any of the sort of educational opportunities that we may go through as individuals who then might start companies, right? It's just not out there. Have you ever felt like society
0: isn't built for moms? Maybe you're a mama with a tiny voice in your head telling you there must be another way to balance it all. You know, working, momming, all the things. Yep, I had it too. And it likely means you're in the right place. Hey, I'm Amanda Rush, a Southern mama with big city sensibilities. I'm the girl that took a daydream and built a profitable virtual assistant business all in the middle of a global pandemic. Now, I work from home alongside some of the biggest bloggers and influencers while running a six-figure agency. Come along as we dive into business, marketing, strategy, and real life as a female entrepreneur. I'm all about simple, easy, actionable steps that get real results. This podcast is for the millennial mom that is ready to kick imposter syndrome and start making money on her own terms. Get ready as we dig in, do the work, and redefine what it means to be a working mom. This is the Millennial Mom Movement. I am so excited to introduce you guys to an extra special guest today. Her name is Catherine, and she is just the epitome of poise and class and wit and so much knowledge. I am excited to introduce her today because we're chatting about a topic that is a little taboo and that is money. So Catherine, welcome to the Millennial Mom Movement Podcast.
1: Thank you so, so much, Amanda, for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. And yes, I cannot wait to talk about money. One of the most taboo topics on the planet. Literally.
0: And it's one of my favorite things to talk about, I think, because it is a little bit uncomfortable. So it's funny to watch people squirm a little bit as you talk about like finance terms and numbers and all of these things. So, but before we dive into like the meat and potatoes, I want to hear a little bit about you. Tell us about you. Tell us about your story, your background, all the things.
1: Totally. So I'll start by saying I live in New York City. I just moved to Brooklyn actually after over 10 years of living in Manhattan. So that's kind of like a seismic shift. Yeah. So happy. The neighborhood is lovely and really peaceful, and we're near the water, which is great. Um, and so I'm, I'm here with my husband and our huge Labradoodle, Penny. Um, and I started my career back as I graduated from undergrad in 2011. I studied political science and writing, but I had already kind of been in New York in the media and fashion space through internships. And uh, I did like some commercial print modeling a 100 years ago, which really introduced me to the magazine world and sort of the fashion and media really early in my life, which gave me insights into, okay, I'm interested in this, but I was also interested in, you know, foreign relations and, and things like that. And in the end, I decided to go and take an unpaid internship after college at W Magazine, as opposed to going to work for an elected official. And I, I just never looked back and it's such a fork in the road. And I'm so grateful that it went the way it did because things got you know, obviously very crazy in the world in the following 10 years. And so I started in magazines and I spent some time also working for a fashion designer before launching my first company when I was 25 called Plan Deville, which is an e-commerce site for emerging luxury fashion designers. And now this was 2014. So like the e-com world that we know today in the online business world looked very different back in 2014. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like now we have Shopify and all the things where you can kind of start a product-based business overnight now. Back then, that was not the case. Like, I had to worry about my cart breaking and sales tax plug in working, and it was wild. So, total trial by fire in starting that business. And I absolutely loved it, but I had no finance experience whatsoever zero. I didn't take a single course in college on it. I I had one, you know, I went to a, a Catholic liberal arts undergrad, and there was a core requirement to take like one math class. And it was called the one that I took was called Math, Numbers, and the Real World, which was like, if it's 10 o'clock in New York, what time is it in London and like how to convert currency and things like that. So it was practical and I'd studied abroad. So I felt like I was prepared for it. Um, but I was not prepared to actually wake up one day with a company with five women working with me in my office on seventh Avenue in New York. And I got to a point where the business was growing and I realized that I had this entrepreneurial instinct, but I didn't necessarily at all have the finance skills to be able to lead a team responsibly and with confidence and clarity about the future. And for me, I just take having a team so seriously as everyone I'm sure listening to this also does. And I realized I was in no position to continue to hire people, whether that was an intern or a full-time person until I could really paint the picture of the financial life of the business with more clarity. Mm -hmm. So that became a huge priority for me. And I applied to Columbia Business School and I got in, which I was shocked by because again, no finance experience, math numbers in the real world did not make me think I was going to be able to get in there. But now in hindsight, I understand that they looked at my entrepreneurial experience and I suppose also my age at the time and said, whoa, yeah, she figured this out. She's been able to get press for her business, vendors, a team, like get her in so that we can help her continue to grow. But I had such imposter syndrome. I got there and was like, oh my God, they're going to throw me out when they figure out I can barely use Excel. So, all of this to say, I took sort of a very brave and wild path to arrive at this point where I've got this boots on the ground startup experience for the vast majority of my career, plus the very lucky turn in life to have been able to get into a world class financial institution of higher education to learn the hard skills, to apply to both of these things. So like the creative entrepreneurship piece where I spend most of my days helping fashion designers understand how to forecast the financials in their business. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of other creative entrepreneurs too, but I started in the fashion design space and that's what inspired Cashflow for Creatives, my company that I am now focusing on. So as with entrepreneurship, typically you have multiple irons in the fire at all times. So I, I now have three companies, but my core baby. And the one I'm the most focused on building is Cashflow for Creatives, which is a digital course business. That's a financial literacy focused company serving the small business owner community. So I hope that was a a helpful intro. Very long-winded. Thanks for listening.
0: (laughs) I loved it so much. Okay. There's so many things that you touched on that I kind of want to pull apart. Yeah. The first one being like, Holy cow. What a journey. And that's amazing. Starting a company like (laughs) at 25 and then being like, you know what? I don't think I have all the skills in my tool belt that I want to have as a CEO and a business owner and a team leader of five. That's a lot to manage. And saying, let me go further my education and go back to school. And while running that business, that is incredible. And I don't think a lot of people have like the grit and stamina to say like, I'm going to go do this thing so that I can be better so my people can be secure. I think that's amazing. And now you've taken that knowledge and you're sharing it with the world and cash flow with creative. So I am just so excited. We're going to dive into a little bit more about Catherine's program later today. But before we do that, I want to break the ice a little bit. Tell us something that like most people would be surprised to hear about you.
1: Oh my gosh, what a great question. I think most people actually would be surprised to know that like I am not a morning person. Oh, okay. I am also not a very regimented or careful person. And I feel like the best way to explain this is so we just moved, right? And like, I love interior design and DIY decor projects and stuff. So I'm looking at it. I just put up, it's almost done, a gallery wall here in my office. And I think people would picture me as like somebody with a level and a ruler, like being really precise to get this thing done. And they would picture my husband, who's known as being like way more fun and wild as the one to kind of just go for it. And it's totally the opposite. I look at the wall and I'm like, I can roughly approximate this, bam. And so my gallery wall installs typically have like a hundred holes in the wall that are behind the picture frames because I'm like shimmying in them just so. But, but I think whereas my husband, who you would think would be the one to just go for it, no, he's there with like the level and the laser guide thing. So that I think surprises people because they kind of see me as like super detail-oriented, very organized. And that's just not true in my personal life. I but love it also that. Relates, it relates to like <laughs> able to be an entrepreneur. You have yeah. to be okay with not exact perfection because it's going to work no matter what. It's like your method is worth respecting and things sometimes come together in a way you don't expect.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's the perfect analogy for entrepreneurship. (laughs) It's like put a hole in the wall. Oh wait, this didn't work. Let me just shift it over a little. (laughs) We'll we'll cover it up with the picture. Nobody needs to know. (laughs) I have a funny story. So when I was like probably eight months pregnant with my second, which I had last year, uh, we had wallpaper in one of the r- bedrooms, and I loved the wallpaper. The wallpaper was gorgeous, but it wasn't speaking to me anymore. How and works. no joke, my husband comes home one day, and I'm up on a ladder tearing this wallpaper down piece by piece. And he's like, "What you doing?" And I'm like, yes. "I don't know. I couldn't look at the wallpaper anymore. It has to go." And he was like, "Okay." <laughs> so that I think that's a perfect example. We're very aligned in that way. <laughs> it had to go. I love that so much. Okay, so let's dive into some of the topics that a lot of business owners seem to kind of struggle with. I know we mentioned earlier, we're going to dive into all things cash flow and money related. And as you know, in a business, cash is queen. That is no secret. But so often we hear people talking about like focus on this marketing strategy or you need to be posting on social media every day, but nobody tells you, like, hey, here's how to manage the cash flow in your business, AKA. Stay in business. So yes. let's let's chat about that. What is cash flow? What does that look like for a business? And how can we prepare as a business owner to make sure
1: that that continues to actually flow? For sure, it's such a great question too. Because, and I think it just points to the fact that, like, I literally had to start a company and also manage to get an MBA to be able to figure this out. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be that hard. But it is because it's just not taught in any of the sort of educational opportunities that we may go through as individuals who then might start companies, right? It's just not out there. So, cash flow really is all about the timing of the money moving in and out of your business. Think of it like gas in in the gas tank of your car. That's really the best way to think about it. And there is a relationship between what's called accounts payable, or the money that your business owes to others and accounts receivable, the money that other people and customers and clients owe to your business. And I think the best way to think about this is like, if this is money coming into your business, the money going out of your business, they need to overlap mm-hmm. so that you're coming together and you're never experiencing this, like this hole between my hands, which is what a cash flow problem looks like. So for example, if you've got revenue coming in, but you don't your expenses are exceeding your revenue for that period of time, you're simply gonna run into this cash flow lightning bolt challenge in between these flowing things that need to be crossing over each other. And another way to think about it is if you know you wanna drive a hundred miles to your final destination, but you only have twenty-five miles worth of gas you're either going to have to plan to find the gas station exactly at mile marker 25 so that you can time your cash running out to like $1 left and refueling at that exact moment. But that's really difficult to pull off. Why? Well, there might be construction on the highway and then you run out at mile marker 23, or you need to pull over and take a phone call, baby screaming in the back seat, whatever it is. So like, say all your bills are due by the 29th and you're relying on your money coming in on the 1st, it's going to be a tough few days before those those funds come in. So like that's the challenge and it's pretty unsolvable unless you have a visual tool to use to organize like all your standing overhead, your repeating monthly transactions and expenses that you have in your business. And then the one-time expenses as well or investments or inventory purchases or you know signing up for a new contractor for a few months like you need to be able to weave all that together with your expected cash inflows to understand the bottom line. And so that's why it's so hard because that's also like a framework. can't download that, We can for me now, but before you couldn't, do, couldn't find that. And it's really a different way of thinking and something that as creatives, I don't think anyone was really taking the time to explain it to us in a way that we could just use visually. And even to go back to like talking about business school, when I got there, I started to see these Excel templates, you know, in classes, like here's the assignment. And I had just never seen this type of stuff before, no. but just, just cause it's like, it's new. So it's hard, but it's not hard in and of itself. It's just hard cause it's new. Mm-hmm. And so I find that if you're an entrepreneur and a business owner, you've already done so much, you're already so capable. This is just about empowering people with tools that they understand how to use that can tell them things about the business they already know inside and out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that you talk about among so many things is really utilizing those tools for success. You did an exercise in a recent podcast episode that I listened to on your own podcast, the Seat with (laughs) Catherine. And I was like, this is genius. I'm going to sit down and do this exercise. And so the exercise was that Catherine had us or whoever was listening, go through all of their transactions, the recurring subscriptions, the one-time ones, you had to write down all the payments that you knew were coming in. For instance, I have an agency model. So there are certain payments I know like, okay, this client pays on the first and this client pays on the 10th and this client pays on the 30th. And that might vary across different businesses. But just getting it all down on paper and then looking at it week by week, cash going in, cash going out, nobody had broken it down. A lot of times, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, you might have a bookkeeper or an accountant and they're sending you your profit and loss statements and you might get a cash flow summary. You might not at the end of the month, but typically you're getting that on like the 15th of the following month. And that doesn't really help you like what you were talking about with that gap in between the cash coming in and the cash going out, because if that gap already exists and you don't know about the gap, then it's really hard to close it 15 days after a new month has started.
1: Don't you agree? I completely agree. I want to also pause and say having a bookkeeper is mission critical. Oh, totally. Sometimes people are like, I can DIY it. I really, really don't recommend that because you don't have the time to DIY it. And you can learn a lot from bookkeepers organizing the data in your business, but you need them because the process is retroactive. So you can understand what's happened in the past. That's super important because it can kind of help you organize the cash that's coming in and going out in a different visual way. But It's an illusion to think that that information is going to tell you anything about the future. So people often ask me like, do I really need a bookkeeper? And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And there are affordable options for this. If you're not, if you're having trouble finding an individual bookkeeper, I really like the service Bench Accounting. They're great. And it's just crucial because then you can rely on getting those reports, but you have to kind of understand what am I supposed to do with this thing? How am I supposed to ask questions about a profit and loss statement when I don't even really know what the difference is between a P&L, profit and loss, and like the balance sheet that I'm also getting emailed? Like, what are these things? What do they mean? And what are they telling me? Because by extension, there are questions that every business owner needs to know on a rolling basis in their businesses. And so, unless you have something telling you, okay, these are my questions, you're just going to really be flying blind. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about future casting for a little bit.
0: Yeah. If a business owner is trying to kind of plan, let's say, I know you've talked about this before, like the next 90 days of cash flow. what are some tips and tricks that they could implement now to help them prepare for that? And especially if they're going into like a slower season or on the flip side, a season of growth, because both of those
1: have challenges in themselves. Absolutely. So I teach a a method that is all about looking at different periods of time. And so you just mentioned 90 days. This tends to be the period of time that is the most helpful for people because they're like, I would love a three year plan, but I'm actually just worried about two weeks from now. Mm -hmm. So the way you want to think about this is it's all about your starting cash balance. So, like, what is the dollar amount that you have right now? Then you need to think about what are all the dollar amounts leaving your business each month? in the next 90 days, because there's gonna be something that's consistent about that, but some things that are really different. So for example, and I have a a download that walks you through this, which also includes a free um, spreadsheet template to go exactly through this exercise. It's telling you, okay, my fixed expenses are things like, every month I've got rent, my Wi-Fi, my subscriptions to run my online business, but then maybe in month two, like next month, you're also planning to go to a conference. And you're going to have a flight and you have a hotel expense. Uh, and then the month after that, maybe you're expecting to receive inventory of something. Like I dream of being able to have planners and organizing tools for business owners, right? So maybe in month three, I know I'm, or I have to pay for a shipment of cash flow for creatives, binder finance guidebooks or something. So I've got fixed expenses leaving all three months, but then I've got individual ones leaving in the other two. That's going to change the total cash leaving my business in each month. So once you've wrangled that you're looking at the total of the money leaving your business in each of the 3 months. Then you need to think about what is your expected income in those 3 months as well. And then when you total that and now we have to sort of forecast and anticipate income. But if you sit and think, okay, what what am I selling every week on average? What's my sales monthly on average? Look at your clients or your, you know, the types of sales that you generate, then you're going to get a total for both expenses and for sales. Mm -hmm. And the difference between the two of them, so you need to take your sales and subtract your expenses in each month, and you're going to be left with a number. It's either going to be positive or negative. And you can weave it in with your starting bank balance and understand the impact to your beginning cash. So you can say, okay, I have enough to cover months one and two, but month three, I'm going to be short by Mm $2,500. How can I attack that? can I either postpone an expense a month or two? Can I plan a new sales event to increase my income in that month? Can I reach out to that person who wanted to start a project, but maybe just needed to be reminded of my services to cover that hole? Or, you know, if you have options around funding, can I draw down from my line of credit that I'm not using? Can I accelerate meeting with someone at the SBA about a small business working line of capital? getting ahead of these challenging moments is critical to being able to grow. Yeah, and just and just survive the stress of what's around the corner for you.
0: 100%. And I think you hit the nail on the head by saying survive the stress because I think as business owners, when I see other business owners that are typically very stressed out, a lot of times it stems from things like this. And I think the reason that people feel stress or anxiety around it is because they don't quite understand the solution that they need to execute so that they can be in a place where they're operating not from emotion, not from stress, just based on, okay, this number is either positive or negative. That does not mean I'm a good or bad business owner. It just means that it is. And now that I have that data, I can make an informed decision about what my next action is. I think that's also so valuable because oftentimes we hear you need to be focusing on revenue generating tasks and you need to delegate and you need to do all of these things so that you can do the things that only you can do. But a lot of times there's a big fat question mark as to like, what's that thing that only you can do? Well, like this is that thing that only you can do. Like you are the business owner, you have to make the financial decisions so that you can then decide, okay, what's my next step? Do I need to focus, like you said, on uh exciting client or bringing in more revenue or whatever that looks like?
1: yeah, completely. and And even, like, can I afford to delegate something? Yes. One of the moments in my life that inspired this business was waking up at like three a m. in a hotel when I was traveling, you know, during market weeks and fashion weeks for my shopping site, and being like, "I have no idea what my budget is to buy product for my business. What am I even doing here? You know, and just this come to Jesus moment with myself where I realized this was such an ambitious thing. And we we were like years down the line. We had won awards. We had a ton of press. And I was like, oh my God, this was so ambitious. I am so ambitious. I have no guardrails to make decisions. And that put the fear of like no other in me and helped me realize this is a problem to solve. And every business needs to solve a problem. And if it doesn't solve a problem, it's going to be really hard to grow your business. People need to see what you're offering, whatever it is, and feel like, oh my gosh, this is the thing I've been missing and looking for. And so this problem is just very real. And the challenge, I think, for me, it, it's really about the financial literacy education piece of this because people don't even know what the solution looks like because it never really existed before. And they just feel the it's cash flow stress and fear, mm-hmm. anxiety, and To go back to the gas in the car metaphor, it's really just, do I have enough gas to get to the exit where I'm supposed to pull off? You know, that's it. This is not about emotion, but it feels really emotional and really scary when you don't know how to solve the problem for yourself so that you can explain to yourself, okay, we're going to be short in six weeks. Now I have six weeks to get ahead of that. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I have students who realize, oh, this is not that bad we're actually not going to be short at all, you know, and then they can just breathe and shift into a space of clarity and confidence in their decision-making. And the result of that is pretty life-changing.
0: Yeah, I can't. Oh my gosh, this is why I'm so excited for you guys to listen in on today's conversation. Um, we are also going to put the link to that freebie that Catherine mentioned inside the show notes, so that everybody can grab it as well. It is really good. I grabbed it myself the other day, and I was like,
1: yes, yes, and yes. Thank you so much. Oh, um, I'm so glad it was helpful. I mean, it's got a spreadsheet in it, right? And a lot of us have never used any sort of spreadsheets that have any kind of simple formula in them at all to tell us the punchline. So I'm thrilled that you know you found it helpful.
0: I did. I am like, I love a good spreadsheet. That's like the nerd in me. So I'm like, oh yeah, this girl speaking my language. (laughs) One thing that you mentioned was looking at that number. And sometimes that number between your revenue and your expenses is positive and sometimes it's negative. And that is a fancy term called profitability, which I'm sure has been thrown around here and there. If you are a business owner, you typically hear this. And I want to dive into this today because I think that one thing that people don't realize is a lot of times we see, let's just take social media. For example, you go on social media and you see this reel, and this person's like, I need a million dollars. I have a million dollar business. This is amazing. Yes. Hit six figures. Hit seven figures. And personally, I also think that is wonderful. And I'm excited that those people hit those milestones in their business. However, a lot of times the revenue, as you know, is not always reflected in the profit. And a lot of times people can be surprised that a million dollar business is negative in terms of profit. And sometimes it's the five figure business that (laughs) has a larger savings account. And so walk us through like, what are some things that business owners can do to help impact their profitability? And how can they also like project that in the future to say, okay, if my profitability is, let's say like seven to 10%, and they would love to get it to like 40%, how do they work their way up to that?
1: Yeah, great question. It's really all about being able to visualize this by periods of time. There's no big secret. There really isn't even a, a magic sort of recipe for this, It's really about understanding the movement of money in and out of your business over periods of time. So, for example, let's use something like I'm looking at a fabulous handbag over there that's from one of the brands I work with. Let's use handbags as an example. So, say you want to launch a line of handbags. And let's say to make this easy, you're in the month of January, looking out at the year ahead in your business. So, before you're able to sell the bags, you need to invest in some upfront costs. And let's say it takes you 90 days to design, develop, and manufacture samples for these bags. So those months are going to have expenses, expenses, expenses with no income. So you're looking at negative, negative, negative in those three months. Now, while you're actually going about this, you're probably really excited. You're like, oh my gosh, progress. I got somebody to want to work with me on this, like a manufacturer. I'm really happy with the designs. My family's excited, da, da, da. But in reality, You're investing money and you've got cash leaving your business with none coming in. That's okay. It's just a fact. So then let's say you get to month four, five, and six, and now you're going out with your samples and you're generating maybe some wholesale orders from the boutique in your town, or maybe even, you know, somebody who works for a department store and you've gotten an order from them. So now you have orders, but you don't have sales yet because you have to manufacture the product for those orders. So then you're going and you're looking at manufacturing investment. So you're going to put in a production order. So still now you're in months four, five, and six cash is still just leaving your business. And so it's not until say month eight, August, where you're actually going to ship something and get paid for it. Now, depending on how you priced the handbags, you could be super profitable per unit of handbag. Oftentimes in the fashion industry, you want your costs of something to be around 20 to 25% of the retail price so that you can set up a gross profit margin of 70 to 75%. Because if you've got wholesale customers, you're selling it to them at a wholesale price, you get it. So if you keep your expenses under control throughout the first eight months of the year, and you can afford the cash outflow required of you every single month until you actually see sales dollars and revenue, then you might have a very profitable business, but you won't see a dime to use in your business until August, September, even if you've got net 30 terms where your customer's gonna pay you 30 days later. So that's an example of why cash flow can feel so difficult and challenging because you're building a profitable product and a brand, but you're not gonna get paid on it until way down the process. And so the upfront investment is significant, and there's no revenue to offset it. So that's an example of you need to sketch out what 12 months of developing something in your business will look like in a very realistic way to make sure that you're prepared and you have the risk tolerance to go out and invest and just have cash outflows before you get any cash inflow later on. Mm -hmm. And so that is sort of an example of a 12-month timeline where you can have a super profitable business but no cash to use from sales until three quarters or almost you know, the end of the year. And then alternatively, you have people where they are getting sales right at the beginning of the process. But if you're not able to look visually and plan out, okay, I, I'm comfortable investing this much in marketing, this much in paid ads, this much in my team, this much in my own salary, it's very easy to lose control of your expenses relative to what your sales actually are. And so a really helpful way to think about, am I comfortable with this expense is to look at it as a percent of your sales. So if you have data about right now, my average month of say consulting income is X, I'm comfortable with spending 20% of my sales on digital ads or my team or myself, whatever it is. And keeping that relationship in check is how you can plan for profitability but it's when you don't have really a visual framework to help you do the math of understanding what is your expense profile going to look like relative to your income. I love that so much. And I think the percentages are
0: very helpful because then if you do have a larger expense, you can say, oh, I don't, I wasn't comfortable spending 60% on this expense. Like how can we adjust going forward? Or maybe we need to lower this or like, is there a way to cut it all together? Yeah. I love painting that picture too.
1: And also it's like, is there a timeline wherein an expense will be a larger percentage of your sales until that expense helps generate more income and they they go down as a percentage of sales over time because they're a part of your revenue generating operation. So that can also be a piece of it.
0: Yeah. Okay. We touched on this a little bit earlier, but a lot of people are in a season of growth and with growth comes typically an increase in overall expenses, operating expenses, and so many other things kind of similar to this example you gave, like this person is investing in the handbags now so that they can grow the business later. What advice do you give for preparing for growth? And are there any like baseline numbers that you think a business should have before they like consider a season of exponential
1: growth? Such a great question. I think first you need to be comfortable with your own risk tolerance. And people often ask me about funding. And now again, because the digital, you know, the online business world, we've got Square offering loans. We've got QuickBooks offering you know loans and advances on, on your income and things like that. I always say it's never too early to start working on funding, whether that is friends and family, The whole friends and family financing option is a very privileged thing that we hear a lot about as like, oh, it's an option for everyone. Just like raise money from your friends and family. No, it's not an option for everyone. That's just what it's called. And it means individual people investing in your business really because they believe in you. Well, it's hard to find those people, but that's like an aside. So the friends and family road is often suggested, but I don't think it's very realistic for 99% of people. The next option is you know, business credit cards, which is the number one way that women actually build businesses, is with just business credit cards. I'm not saying that's the best option either, but it's just the available one. And so I would say think about funding at the beginning, understand what your options are, what you're comfortable with, but it, it's almost impossible to get funding the minute you need it. So when it's offered, take it and hold it and sit on it. And then if you have that to use for a period of growth that can make it a little bit easier. The other thing I would say is you need to know that back to my point before that your business solves a problem. You need to know that your business really solves a problem before you plan for exponential growth. And also really having your messaging very clear because exponential growth also implies like a cold audience and that you are talking to people who don't know you personally, who don't know you through word of mouth as it relates to like real people that are in your life. You need to be super clear with the problem you're solving and your process to do that. Because if you have a process that you know solves a problem, you'll be prepared for scale in a way that won't completely stress and burn you out. And like I have done consulting projects, you know, for a lot of brands over the years in a variety of forms and creative entrepreneurs will ask you for so many different things all the time. And especially if you're smart and motivated and they respect you, they'll be like, can you help me solve this random problem over here? So being able to say, this is my method, this is why my method works. This is how my method works can help you stay within the guardrails of your own purpose, if that makes sense. And so funding as soon as possible in a way that you're, you're comfortable with so that you're prepared and you're not setting yourself up to have personal challenges, like making your own personal responsibilities happen, like mortgage payments, rents, kids' expenses, You got to put your oxygen mask on first and really leverage the business credit opportunities that exist in this country, which is very different from personal credit. And then just make sure you're actually comfortable with your own process and comfortable saying no. I love that so much. You touched
0: on so many things. And I think a lot of times when we hear the word funding, we immediately think of like, a tech startup or something like that. And that is not necessarily the case. It could literally be that you're scaling a cookie company that you, you know, have in your kitchen. And now you're going to like an actual space and you're maybe opening up a small store and like all these really exciting things. So I love that. And I also love that you gave the example of really understanding like who you are and who you serve, because I think from experience as you gain exposure, which is always a beautiful thing. Like you said, you have people that are like, Oh, you do that. Well, like you bake cookies. Can you also like make me Mexican food? And you're like, can I make you Mexican food? Yes. Should I make you Mexican food? Probably not because that's not my business. And so knowing that and being able to have just the conviction to be able to say, you know what, I would love to make you amazing Mexican food. Let me refer you to a friend because that's not exactly what we're doing here. So I love that so much. Exactly. Okay. I am just loving this conversation. I want to switch gears a bit, a little bit because you are an entrepreneur yourself. So you have just so much advice to be able to give. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received that you would love to like to share with our audience?
1: Oh, such a great question. You are slaying these questions. I love it. I think the most important piece of advice I could give to other entrepreneurs is really making sure that you create your own personal board of advisors. So we hear this as it relates to big companies, right? They have boards. You need a board. You need a go-to, doesn't need to be a lot of people. needs to be like three to five people who know you, who believe in you no matter what, but who are also able to give you really critical feedback and advice. Because when you're an entrepreneur, you're really isolated and you're making your own decisions. You really can't and shouldn't put your decision-making process on your team. They need to see you as the visionary and, and know that you believe in your strategy. So if you're debating something, you gotta take it to your board. You can't take it to your team. You gotta take it to your board and work it through with them. And so that is something that I was naturally sort of able to do in my life, just because I've been blessed with some of the best friends and people ever. And I would not be here without the support that I've received from them over the years. So I would say that's critical. And then there's also this graph. It's like a day in the life of an entrepreneur. I'm sure you've seen it where it goes up and it's like, this is amazing. Everything is working. And then the next it goes down. It's like, this is a disaster. I'm going to fail. And then, oh, wait, it's working again. Oh no, I fell down. Oh, it's working again. You have to keep that visual in mind because it's so, so hard, but it has the potential to be so rewarding. And we only get, you know, one go on this planet in this life. And if it calls to you, it's worth giving your all, but it's going to be very, very hard, but it will also give you these moments that are totally exceptional. And in my opinion, worth all the fear and the risk and the effort. I couldn't
0: agree more. And I know exactly what chart you're talking about. That is (laughs) That's basically my life every single day. <laughs> yes. Okay. One of the things we do on our podcast is just like some fun, rapid fire questions. So you can just shoot off whatever's on the top of your head. So our first one is, what are you currently looking forward to
1: right now? Oh my gosh. Well, this coming weekend, my cousin Sarah is graduating from a master's program at American In Washington, DC, where my sister also lives. So we have a big family trip down there. I'm taking Friday off, going down. uh, And I just, I can't wait. Talk about board of advisors. My family is everything to me. My sister is one of my best friends and she's on my board and she tells me like it is. And I really appreciate her. I love that. We just have so much fun together and it's gonna be a happy, beautiful weekend. I can't wait. I love that. Okay. (laughs) What was the last TV show that you watched? Oh my gosh. The last TV show that I watched was the coronation concert on Sunday, because I am a huge fan of the British royal family and I love to observe all things. The house of Windsor. It's just like a complete passion of mine. I'm such a nerd. I listen to this podcast called Keeping Up with the Royals. It's two British women who have a weekly podcast on the comings and goings of the British royal family. It's hilarious in terms of like nonfiction TV. Uh, Sorry, a fiction TV. I also just started watching Succession, which I had held off on because honestly, the big business, like wheeling and dealing, I found way too almost triggering for the way my brain works. I was like, I'm just going to hold off on this show. But now I fell completely prey to the show because I'm seeing all these articles about the costumes and the fashion on succession. And I cannot resist. I'm like, I need to dissect these people's wardrobes and understand their brains as expressed through their attire. So I've just started season one. I'm behind.
0: (laughs) Um, okay. I have not started it, but I have seen many people chatting about it and it's definitely like on the list. I'm like you, I like to watch TV shows purely for the fashion. I, that's why I watch like Emily in Paris. Like I was, I'm here for all of your outfits. All the of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And then this kind of stems off of that. Who is your favorite IG account to follow right now that inspires you?
1: Ooh, you know, I've always loved following Sarah Blakely from Spanx because what a story. And then I also just started following Desiree, who has this business called Benson B-E-N-S-H-E-N. And they're monthly courses that are all about mindset work and energetics and It's kind of new to me as a concept, but I've always believed so strongly in energy and manifesting. And I feel like I've manifested my entire life. So without really any guidance as to how to do it. And so I'm loving following her.
0: Okay, I'm excited to follow her because I too have been getting into that as well. It's new to me. And it's kind of fun to dabble into because it's, it's just powerful. an expansion. It, yeah. And mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff, like you talked about, I think we do naturally, you know, like as little kids, you're like, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if, insert, really cool thing. And so we don't realize that that's
1: what we're doing. It's true. And, and also being a, a business owner, it means like you could visualize something that didn't always exist. And then you went and made it happen. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's essentially what creating a business is. Which totally. is so cool. So, uh, okay. Well, I just cannot thank you enough. Tell us where can everybody find you, connect with you, learn from you.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. And you can find me on Instagram at Catherine PDV, that's my personal account. And then cashflow.for.creatives. Um, also on Instagram where you can see all sorts of financial tips tools and trainings for small business owners.
0: And she does have literally all the tips. I think I like <laughs> basically use your Instagram profile as like my own personal
1: resource bank. I'm like, what does Catherine say about this? <laughs> I love it. Actually, actually I'm so glad you phrased it that way because I just added like a membership component to the site which has a search function where you can ask questions <gasps> and then like the relevant answers will show up within the content library. So if However, I can make it easy for people to raise their hand metaphorically or quite literally and say, I don't know what a liability means. I don't know what a balance sheet is. The more I can create easy ways for people to do that, the happier, healthier, and more successful businesses will be. And people will really be able to go back to focusing on doing what they love and not being stressed out and consumed with fear, but rather empowered with confidence and clarity.
0: I love that. And I love that you're normalizing the fact that it's okay not to know the answer and to be like, yes, let's raise our hand and be like, hey, can you break this down for me? Because I don't know, but I want to know. And I think that's that's what's important.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Well,
0: thank you. This was such a treat.
1: I couldn't agree more.
0: You just finished another episode of the Millennial Mom Movement podcast. And because I know you're a mover and shaker, here's your action item. Snap a screenshot of this episode, share it over on Instagram, and tag me at Amanda Rush Holmes. Each week, I'll pick one person and send you a Starbucks gift card on me as my way of saying, hey, thanks for hanging out with me on the regular and being a part of this incredible movement. See you next week.